0: Greetings, and welcome to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Leading us in worship today are Murray McKechen, Owen Burrell, and Thomas Good. Our music director is David Berry, and our storytellers are Angela and Sheila Black and Georgia Garnum. And I am the Reverend Susan Brazier. Join me in the call to worship. In this place, The community of faith is reminded of the promise, God's love endures forever. In spite of our impatient grumblings, despite our attraction to the shadows, God's light shines in us. When we think our hands are empty, when we have no music in our souls, the Spirit fills us with glad songs and creates us for good works.
1: You reach deep into your pockets stuffed with mercy and fill our empty souls. Refusing to be in the blame business, you rebuild our shaky foundations with everlasting love. You hear our cries of loneliness and lament and lift us into your presence. Good and generous God, we give you thanks. You save us by your grace so we may joyfully serve our brothers and sisters. You slide over to make room for us at your table. You step into our shadowed lives to take us by the hand and lead us into the light. Healing word, we give you thanks. You calm our impatience so we may tell of God's presence in our midst. You silence our grumbling to teach us joy's anthems. You shower us with kindness so we may overflow with love. Born of water and spirit, we give you thanks for your steadfast love. Amen.
2: ready for the story. Let's take a deep breath. This is a story about a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very important person. Pharisee and a leader of the Jews. He had been in the temple while Jesus was teaching and Nicodemus had many questions for Jesus. But instead of raising his hand in class he decided that it would be better to wait until late in the night to ask his questions. I don't know why he did that but he did. So late one evening when it was very dark Nicodemus left his home and traveled through the shadows of the night to find Jesus. He stumbled through the darkness and made his way to where Jesus was staying. Jesus was fast asleep. Nicodemus knocked on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Jesus got up, opened the door, and found poor Nicodemus standing there in the dark. Jesus lit a lamp and invited him inside. Immediately, Nicodemus started asking Jesus all kinds of questions. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Poor Nicodemus was so confused. He was beginning to think that maybe Jesus needed a cup of coffee. He asked, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus was now more confused than ever. This made no sense to him at all, so he asked, How can these things be? Jesus answered, You are an important teacher of Israel, and you still don't understand these things? The truth is, we talk about what we know, we tell about what we have seen, but you don't accept. We tell you, I have told you about things here on earth, but you do not believe me. So I'm sure you will not believe me if I tell you about heavenly things. The only one who has ever gone up to heaven is the one who came down from heaven, the son of man. Everyone who believes in him can have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. He did not send him to judge the world, but to save the world. The light has come into the world. some people do not want light. They wanted darkness because they were doing evil things. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They will not come to the light because the light will show all the bad things they have done. But anyone who wants what is true and what is honorable, come to the light and the light will show that whatever they have accomplished was done through God. Now I wonder, what part of this story is most important? I wonder what it is to want to be in the light.
3: and truth send your Holy Spirit to move in us and among us this day speak to us through the scriptures read and interpreted so that they lead us to encounter your living word Jesus Christ our Lord amen our gospel reading this morning comes from the third chapter of John verses 1 through 21 now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus a leader of the Jews Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God.
4: Psalm 107, an adaptation by Ruth Duck Give thanks to God who hears our cries. Give thanks to God who hears our cries and saves in troubled days with wondrous works to humankind that call for highest praise Let all who know God's saving love sing grateful songs always. If you have ever wandered where no human help was near, and in your trouble cried to God who rescued you from fear, then thank the God of steadfast love who dries your every tear. If you have ever lived inside the prison of your gloom and cried to God who broke your bonds and raised you from your tomb, then praise the one who sets you free, who makes dry places bloom. If you drew near the gates of death, too sick to eat or dress, and cried to God who heard your voice and healed all your distress. Then sing with sounds of holy joy, God's wondrous works profess. If you have felt your courage fail before a violent sea, and cried to God who stilled the storm and made the wild wind flee, then in the congregation praise the God who heard your plea. So praise the one whose love is great, whose kindness is well known. Consider well the healing hand and help you have been shown. And tell the world what God has done. Praise God and God alone.
0: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. During my time at seminary, I rarely missed 1130 chapel service. It was the pause in the middle of my day and it became the axle around which all the rest of my existence spun. I always attended chapel except for one particular Thursday in February 2018. It was later that day that a beloved friend told me about the sermon that our president, Dr. Craig Barnes, had delivered that day, her rich details lingered with me, and I promised myself that I would find the video recording and watch it later, which of course I never did, until this past week, when I happened to stumble across it in my research on our lectionary passage from Ephesians. I was so taken by Dr. Barnes' message that I want to share it with you this morning. But before we get there, I want to linger for just a moment with our Gospel lesson. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. Probably one of the most famous Bible passages of all times. For God so loved the world. Out of the darkness, poor Nicodemus stumbled into Jesus' living room late at night to ask Jesus follow-up questions from that day's lesson, and Jesus just lays it all out there for him. Hey dude, I am here because God loves you. I am not here to condemn you. I am here to remind you that you are God's beloved. You are a creature of the light, and you should want to live in the light. Don't be stumbling around in the shadows. People who are evil cling to the shadows. That is not you. You have been raised with Christ and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is your real home. God did not create you to live in the shadows. God created you to be about the work that will bring you joy and meaning, living in the light. Our God is a God of life, light, and truth. These concepts baffled poor Nicodemus. Light versus shadow, truth versus evil. Becomes the center point of our epistle lesson this morning. Listen now for the word of God from chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Verses 1 through 10. You were dead. Through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work amongst those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loves us even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not the results of works so that anyone may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is a word of God for the people of God. What follows is Dr. Barnes' sermon, with a few modifications. Dr. Barnes' sermon spoke to me And I trust it will be the message that you need to hear today. Life is demanding. It it does not matter whether you are rich or poor, young or old, uptight or laid back. We all face life's demands. The hardest part is that these demands are not integrated. They pull us in different directions. The demands of school and work, the demands of family, friends, and church, the demands of volunteerism and service projects and and commitments to our community, the demands of paying the rent and dealing with the past and preparing for the future, it all goes in different directions. So we get discouraged because the only way we know how to deal with one of these demands is to give less attention to the other demand which means that some area of our life, we are always a failure. Thus, the discouragement. Something is always getting dropped. When I go to the grocery store by myself, I am tempted to think that I really don't need a cart. I'm just gonna get a few things and I could easily carry those. A while back, while carrying way too many things in my arms, the, the loaf of bread dropped, and as I reached to try to grab it, then I dropped both the milk and the orange juice. And then trying to get it, the coffee, the cheese, and the butter fell, and then three oranges just rolled right down the aisle. This is how you know that I'm a preacher. My very first thought was, well, that's a metaphor. While we try to reach to take good care of our commitments at home, we realize that we are dropping behind at work. And as we try to reach and take care of that, we drop self-care. And since whenever life gets demanding, the very first thing we do is drop spiritual disciplines, we watch our sanity just roll on down the aisle away from us. As Jesus warned, as those who try to save their lives will lose them, I very much like to hear people tell their stories of how faith was discovered in their lives or as some traditions refer to it their testimonies but most all testimonies are told in the first person I once was lost but now found when the Apostle Paul starts to tell the testimony in the second chapter of his letter to the Ephesians notices that notice that he uses the second person, you. Not the comfortable third person or even the first person plural, but the second person, you. And he is not very tender with us. His opening words in the chapter are, you were dead. Not you were lost or you were unfulfilled or even you were victimized. You were Dead through your sins and trespasses. Sin is anything that separates us from God. And nothing will do that quite like trying to hold all of our own lives in our own arms. You were dead. He doesn't just kill us, though. He digs a grave as well you were following the spirit of those who were disobedient. Verse three, you were living according to the passions of the flesh and were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Only now, significantly, he moves from the second person to the first person plural. Now your problem has become our problem. We, he says, are by nature children of wrath like everyone else. You got hurt because someone hurt you who was hurt. The anger settles in and after a while, all we can do is carry this anger around with us for so long that we can't do anything else but hurt those around us. My problem becomes your problem. Sin becomes contagious. You were dead. We have become children of wrath like everyone else. Then, in the same paragraph, Paul turns our testimony with the words, but God. The Gospel always turns with those words, but God. You are killing yourself, trying to save yourself. But God, you were hurting a long time ago and still walking around in the anger of it. You were born into a world where the haves have so much and the have-nots have not a chance. But God, but God, out of the riches of his grace, he who has loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive in Christ Jesus, For by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You may not have realized it. You may not even act like it or even believe it. It doesn't matter. You have been raised with Christ and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is your real home you have a seat in the heavenly places there's a chair there with your name on it it's not just referring to when you die anytime you are living in Christ you are bringing some of that heavenly place into this earth in Christ Paul just loves the phrase in Christ in the epistles attributed to Paul he uses that phrase 169 times. 169 times. Now you know how preachers spend their evenings. 169 times. According to the first chapter of Ephesians, in Christ means that the Holy Spirit has sealed you into the Son's beloved relationship with the Father making you also the beloved child of God. That is who you really are. Verse 10 reads, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul refers to us as as God's handiwork. The word in Greek is poema. Translators have interpreted this word as masterpiece or handiwork, poem. It can also be translated as poem. That means we are God's poetry. That is who you really are. Pastors often encounter parishioners who are trying to make excuses for their sins, their temper, their cynicism, Pastor, I'm sorry I took his head off in the committee meeting, but, you know, that's just who I am. No, it's not. You are who God created you to be, who Christ redeemed you to be, and neither of them made you mean. You've just gotten used to pretending. Get real. Be the real you is who you are in Christ Jesus. Tragically, some of the meanest people I know are Christians who are on a mission. They set out to do something good, but they assume they are on their own to get it done. So they have become messianic. And when they meet with resistance, they double their resolve and will do whatever it takes to achieve their goals. Which means, inevitably, they start hurting people. So now they are mean messiahs, and we don't need any more of those. The goal is not to imitate Christ on your own because that inevitably is when you start doing what will cause hurt to other people, because you are not the Messiah. The goal, the call is to participate in Christ, in Christ. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ is doing in and through you, for by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not our own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Grace claims that life is not a challenge to be achieved. It is a gift to be received. And every day you need to start by reminding yourself whether or not you're going to confront this great choice. Will you try to achieve your life, or receive your life today? If you make trying to achieve your life your goal, your constant companion will be complaint, because you can never achieve enough. If you make receiving your life your goal, Your constant companion will be gratitude for all that Christ is doing for you and through you for those around you. Grace claims, but it does not matter what you have done or left undone. It does not matter what was done to you. It does not matter how dark or despairing the day may seem. There is always the gospel. There is always by God. Amen. Prayers of the people. Generous and gracious God, with your great mercy, you have made us alive together with Christ. By your grace, we are saved from sin and despair and promised hope for everlasting life with you. You have shown us immeasurable riches through your grace and mercy and we have offered you our deepest gratitude now and always. We pray that each person will know the fullness of your gifts in ways that touch their deepest needs. We pray for those who are dear to us and all those who have come to lean on us in these months of the pandemic. We pray for those who are struggling in isolation or frustration, for those who experience illness or pain in body, mind, or spirit. We lift up to you our friends who are this week to undergo surgeries and cancer treatments. We pray for all who have lost someone or something central to their lives and have to cope with grief and loss. We ask that you bless our prayer shawl ministry, that it may provide comfort during these days of worry, loneliness, and doubt. May all these, your children, know your grace and mercy. We pray for peace and safety in the world, for countries struggling to care for their citizens and to rebuild their economies, for all who do not receive respect and consideration they deserve for all who are persecuted for their faith or their views, for all who are disenfranchised and long to live in freedom. May all these, your children, know your grace and mercy. We pray for your church around the world and for the congregations we know, for the work of presbyteries across Canada and for the faithful ministries that they lead in this time of working at a distance for the learning that we have gained in outreach during the pandemic, and for all who have connected to your church in new ways, and for the ministers and other leaders who are finding this time of planning and decision-making very stressful. May your church in all its many expressions know your grace and mercy. We pray for the concerns on our hearts this day for the fears and frustrations we struggle with, for any troubled relationships, for the doubts and the hopes which compete within us, for any need of healing and support. May we, your children, know your grace and mercy. We offer the prayers through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory for ever, amen. into the world of peace have courage hold on to that which is good return no one evil for evil strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the suffering honor all people love and serve the Lord rejoicing in the Holy Spirit and now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you